Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. Fight back against annoying household messes with CLR Clear. CLR Clear is tough on dirt and grime all around your home, and we're not just talking about calcium, lime, and rust. They have an entire lineup of cleaning products for your kitchen, bathroom, garage, and more. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. CLR Clear, fight the clean fight. Eileen Fisher designs simple clothes to make your life easier. Timeless pieces in high-quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and more positive impact in the world. Visit EileenFisher.com and use offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. Welcome to a classic episode of Call Your Girlfriend. <laughs> a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So, And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, a poverty risk calculator, which is terrifying, a slight digression into complaints about people being rude, (laughs) naked selfies and empowerment, period euphemisms, and Gwyneth's unintentional period euphemisms, plus what happens when a lot of women join a formerly male profession, and the chill-out hoodie. We haven't done this in a minute. I know. My closet, I'm like, it's been so long since I've spent more than half an hour in here. I know. I'm like, I haven't seen these clothes in a while. I've been gone for so long. can't believe it's already spring. Oof. I mean, technically spring. I mean, it is. I saw this, like, really funny meme on uh, Black Internet that was, like, this kid. The other dark web? Yes, the other dark web. (laughs) The darkest web. The darker the web, the the juicier the fruit or whatever. But (laughs) The sweeter the juice. (laughs) The sweeter the links. (laughs) Exactly. However that works. But um, that was literally, uh, the caption said something like, when you thought 2016 was going to be your year, but it's three months in and your life's already in shambles. And this kid is just like holding his head. And I was like, yes, that's me. That's my life. Right now. Your life is not a shambles. My that life can't is be tri- true. My life is kind of in shambles. It's March 21 and I have accomplished none of my goals yet. So it's fine. Like, I know Q- for, for a woman who lives her life on the quarterly system. Yeah. I'm just, I'm like, Q1's over. <laughs> <laughs> it's true i i also though i mean i feel like i've already had one small vacation this year i like i worked a weekend to make up for it freelance life but like i don't feel so behind i also i also did not really set major goals for this year and so i feel good about not meeting them i've been behind since 1985 like that's just how i live (laughs) <laughs> it's just it really it really stresses me out i have this very vivid memory of reading this calvin and hobbes cartoon i think in like high school and uh and calvin said something like oh man i'm so far behind i may never die on time and i remember that just like filling me with dread like instead of laughing i was like oh like yes that's my life like in elementary school <laughs> i just i don't know you know but also then i read all this stuff about how like actually anxiety is good for you and i'm just like well if it's good for you i'm the healthiest person i know so who knows have you been reading that research about millennials being the most anxious people ever and like basically generations just keep 
getting progressively more anxious? Uh, you know, so I read it, but I kind of don't believe it. I just think that millennials, the best generation, we, <laughs> we're we just better about talking about this stuff, right? Because I just, like, look through generations of my family, and I'm like, I come from anxious people. I come from, like, stomach ulcer people. <laughs> it's just, we've only now started talking about it. Yeah, I wondered that, too, about how much of it was there becoming, like, an increasing vocabulary for it. But I will also confess that I did not read the specifics of the study where... Maybe they didn't ask people to use the words. Maybe they asked about it in different ways. I'm always skeptical of those longitudinal studies. I was like, did you 80 years ago even interview anyone who wasn't a white man? Like, how are, who is your, who is your, like, subjects? I know. The thing, too, is that, like, you know, I was a really chill teenager or whatever. In my head, I was a chill teenager. I projected chill. I'm just, like, an adult that's full of angst. Like, I don't know. It's, like, every day that go. Maybe it's, like, reverse adolescence. Like, unsure. But every day, it's, like, I can, you know, it's, like, I watch the news and I'm stressed out. I, like, think about life and I'm stressed. Like, everything stresses me out. I'm, like, this is not okay. Yeah, maybe part of it, though, is just, like, growing up and feeling like you don't have to hide that. Like, you know, were you really, like, at the chillest teen? You know, or did I you was just actually a chill teen. It's, like, sometimes I'm, like, mm, like was this real or not but I was I was really a chill teen I just like didn't care but I think also as a teen I didn't um I think what it like being chill as a teen also for me was a defense mechanism because my high school was so lame and I was like I don't have time for any of these kids and so I just like ran and like did my own thing and I, I I didn't know how stressful the world could be yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that there was a part of it for me where it was really, I had no control over, you know, all of the most important things about my life. <laughs> you know, like what I got to do with the structure of my day and where I lived and who I spent most of my time with. And so, you know, it's easy to just be over everything when that's the case. <laughs> I'm above it all. Whereas now I'm like, oh yeah, I actually make choices about what I do during my day and who I spend time with and where I live. And it's a lot easier to sort of fret about whether you're making good choices. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just the kind of thing. I'm sorry, this conversation is really boring, but I'm so fascinated by it. It's this thing where I feel that every day I'm seeing a, like a larger part of the matrix, you know, of adulthood. Oh my and God, that's this is stressing me out. And that's what's stressing it. me out. I'm just like, ah, <laughs> uh, retirement planning, ugh. <laughs> like estate planning, uh, you know, like writing a will, like all these things. I'm like, this is stressful. Oh my God. This weekend, the New York times had an article about how you could calculate your risk of falling into poverty. Did you see this? No. And I, I didn't take it because I was too scared to know the answer, but it was, I'm, the, I'm the literally number. might take it right now. We I mean, the numbers, I mean, essentially if you are not a college educated white American who comes from money, um, you're probably going to live in poverty at some point. Like that's the upshot. It's, it's alarming and terrible. Oh, you want to um, know the best part of this is that I was Googling it and I Googled Amina poverty risk <laughs> instead of New York Times poverty risk. So, like, <laughs> Wait, Google isn't going? advanced enough yet to just say how's you have like a 72% well, you know, chance. I don't know. Like I grew up in poverty. So on, and on one hand, it like it, it doesn't doesn't scare me, you know, in the sense where I was like, okay, this really blows, but I have been here before. But at the same time, yeah, I'm like, you can, I don't know, I'm like, I'm a single, I'm a single black lady. I could literally fall back to the bottom of the ladder like any day. 
Right. It's a risk calculator. It's not, you know, Yo, and, and basically they calculated.org. There's like mm. a soaring eagle on this page and shit. Like, no, this is crazy. No, I mean, it's yeah, it's frightening. <laughs> and, but the thing that when I read it, I, I was like, how can it be that Americans hate social safety net programs when all Americans will probably need them someday? Like this well, country is you know, white not Americans getting any more hate, secure. White Americans hate social safety net programs. Well, now they do. Now that they're not just for white people they hate them uh, and this calculator is so serious please select a time frame for predicting your risk of poverty short term medium yeah i can't i'm freaking out also the federal poverty line for a family of four is still twenty four thousand dollars which is really, ridiculous this is crazy this is so crazy if you make it work, if you make a budget work on $24,000 a year for a family of four, you are a wizard. You are like a magician who should be praised for, yeah, for, they for should your resourcefulness. Make you like secretary of the budget or something. Like, Absolutely. this is crazy. I know. Oh, wait. There's only, you know there's only three questions for this thing? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm taking it on the air. Live. <laughs> Non-white education beyond high school, marital status, not married, age range, 30 to 34. So this is my five-year status. Huh. Probability still 34.9%, 35%. That's a lot. I know. I, I really feel bad now that I've turned our anxiety conversation into this literal risk calculator, but it kind of blew my mind when I used Yo, it. Yo, if you're a white person, I just changed one of my parameters to white. The risk slashes in half. Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, uh, hold on. Now I'm a fake married person. Submit. Oh, my God. I, this is disgusting. Okay. I can't handle this. Riskcalculator.org. Now I won't sleep at night. <laughs> it's just a couple of economists making some judgments. It's not, it is not written. A couple of economists making judgments <laughs> is how the world turns, Anne. I know, I was trying to be comforting and it ended up just sounding worse. Oh my god, okay. Adult anxiety. Tell me one thing that's not going to stress me out, please. I don't know. I was going to rant about something that happened to me this weekend that is totally unrelated to all of this, but now seems minuscule related to, like, you know, the pop- to, like lingering and looming poverty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, now I can't even joke about anything. No, you can't. <laughs> Tell me a joke. Get me out of this mindset. What happened this weekend? Okay, so I was involved in a conversation about people commenting on pregnant women and how pregnant they might be or how far along or whether they might even be pregnant. It's a trap. Exactly. And so what I said is that I go out of my way to never comment about something having to do with someone's body that they did not control like that day. So it's like, if you're wearing a denim shirt and it's cute, I can compliment you. You picked out that shirt today. But if it has to do with like, Something that has to do with skin color or like, you know, your the stature of your body or whether you may or may not be pregnant, which is not something you control that morning. Generally, <laughs> I just shut up about it. You know, like that's the baseline. Just keep it focused on things people chose for themselves in r- the recent history in like an immediate way. And then two minutes later, this woman comes <laughs> comes and sits next to me. And P.S. We're like eating like, you know, little bite-sized happy happy hour hors d'oeuvre things. And she goes, and so for those of you listening at home, I'm very tall. But she goes, I just want to see you take a picture with this tiny hors d'oeuvre next to your big body. <laughs> 
people are so rude. I was like, what? What did like, you I, say? And here's the thing. Everyone who was sitting around me had just heard my rant about like making comments on bodies. And this woman, I mean, she walked into what should have been a trap and no one said a peep. And I just said, yeah, not going to happen. I can't believe this. I remember very early on in our friendship, we were walking around DC one time in uh, Columbia Heights, like some new fancy bar had opened or whatever in um, like near my house. And I remember this woman chased you out of the bar to tell you how tall you were. <laughs> and sometimes, Anne, I still think about it and I wince. <laughs> Just like, I mean, wherever that woman is, I hope that like nothing good has come of her life. Wherever she is, she's not ashamed enough. But like, but serious question, you know, you really do have to decide in a split second of like, are you going to like be that person? And I know there are tons of equivalents like for, for all kinds of comments that strangers make to different people with different bodies. You have to decide Am I going to be a hard ass about this and say, like, really? Do you really want to make a comment about, like, the size of my body comparable to this, like, puff pastry I'm about to eat? Or <laughs> or do you want to just kind of let it go? I don't know. I mean, Whenever people make weight comments to me, I always say something. If they, like, even if it's, like, a little kid or I remember these, like, missionaries one time brought their kid around. And the first thing that the kid said was, like, oh, my God, your lips are so big. What did you say? (laughs) And the parents were so horrified. And I just, like, snapped at this kid. And I looked at him. I was like, well, your parents didn't teach you any manners because that's not a thing you say to people. (laughs) And everybody was embarrassed. And I was like, you know, like, not my job to, like, parent this kid. It's like I'm at the point where I get really defensive about it. Because I think that, like, that for me, it's, like, such a low-level shaming. I was like, you know what? This is, like, a thing that they can handle. They can, like, handle talking to their kid about it. And if it's an adult, I'm like, you can handle being in the hot seat. Because the thing is that, like, they make you feel bad, and then they just get away with it, right? Virgie Tovar, who was at our D.C. live show, I loved when she said... San Francisco, San Francisco. Oh, sorry, San Francisco. D.C. hasn't even happened. Back to the future. Um, (laughs) When she said... uh, she was like, the high road is oversold to oppress you. And I like, remember her saying that in her monologue so hard. And I was like, yes, this is true. People who say that kind of stuff to you, like whether they mean to or not, make you feel really small and really self-conscious. And it is like in love and war, like everything is fair. And it is fair to make them feel like idiots. Because that's yeah. the only way some people learn. I'm like... How are you a functional adult and you don't know that it's not okay to, like, comment about somebody's body? You know, I have taken taken the tack, though, where I say, you know, it's pretty rude to, to just say that out of the blue. Or when I, when I say, oh, I find that offensive. And, you know, what usually happens is it's not like the person apologizes. It's then we get into an argument about whether or not they meant it as a compliment or an observation. Doesn't or matter. Doesn't matter. I know. Doesn't matter. But I'm just saying, like, it, it just turns into a whole thing where then it's taken up even more of my night and there's a part of me that's like i would prefer to silently hate you i know I it's know. also the thing where i'm just like the people around you should have said something i'm like Ugh, it's you true got, they're you all implicated band together i was like everybody yeah i'm like everybody's implicated in this when something when somebody makes a body comment if you're around and you don't speak up you are also implicated i mean I right, why well, are people so rude to the theme of today's call <laughs> your girlfriend why are people so rude people why are people so gotta be rude. like that and i'm like fu- like you know my belief about this i fundamentally believe that like every like ism in life like everything that is like wrong about people like everything that's like misogyny racism like fat phobia like all of it always boils down to people being rude no and, home like, training 
no home training should have kept it to yourself no filter yeah yeah, it's just one of those things i'm like listen why do you think we all need to know about this like you should have kept that one to yourself right or did you think i didn't notice that like that this was a physical fact about me so you know just to recap don't comment about how tall people are trust me like tall women hear that shit all the time don't comment on people's weight, including if they have lost a lot of weight. Oh, totally. Um, unless they bring it up to you. Like, I, there was a period in my life where I lost a ton of weight. And it was, like, maybe when I was the most depressed and, like, the worst of my life. And every time, like, people would see me and say, congratulations. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm dying inside. Like, oh, my God. People are the worst. That's you know? why I feel like the only comment on choices people have made, like, today or this week rule is the only rule. Yeah, it's like, cute outfit or keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Yeah, Just exactly. Just keep it to yourself. Exactly. It's like, if people, I'm like, trust me, if somebody wants you to be happy for them, they will tell you. <laughs> Oh, completely. That's the other thing. People are rude and people who just want like affirmation, like those people are so thirsty. They will tell you what to comment on. I don't hate people who are like openly seek affirmation because they make it easier for the rest of us to say like, look, if you don't openly seek it. I don't hate them at all. It's proactive. But I'm like, listen, this is how the ecosystem works. Like if I need positive reinforcement, I will ask for it. I feel like that's the perfect segue into talking about Kim Kardashian and selfie empowerment. Ah, so this is so good. So friend of the podcast, Jill Filipovich, wrote this really actually like great thing on Cosmo about Kim K and Nike, naked, Nike, Nike selfie. <laughs> <laughs> they, could, they should just be called Nakes. Yeah, it's a Nike. Uh, <laughs> naked selfie empowerment, right? And um, I just love like the way that it was framed, right? Where she's like, there's nothing wrong with feeling good about how you look in a naked selfie, but succeeding in sexiness isn't real power. And I'm like, hello, Kim Kardashian. Hello, Amber Rose. Hello, everybody on Instagram. Are you hearing this? I think that she she draws an important distinction, which is that it it is sort of, it can be empowering on a personal level to feel really good about your body and to feel comfortable naked or to even feel comfortable as a personal thing. It makes sense. But in terms of I am a person with power in the world, it doesn't really work that way typically. Yeah, I mean, this, like, I'm reading it because it sounds, it's amazing. I'm like 100 emoji all the way. Empowerment is an empty catchphrase, a term used primarily to solve over the near total lack of power held by women and girls around the world, a kind of head pat that keeps us satisfied with subservience. Note that you never hear the word empowered used to describe a man. You don't need to be empowered when you are plain and simply powerful. Ding, ding, Uh, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. I love that she, like, articulated it so well. You know, that, like, the naked selfie is, like, it's sexy, but it's not sexual. And all the negative consequences that that phrase has for women, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought it was really smart. I also think it's important to note that it shouldn't be explicitly disempowering to have people have seen your body. Like, I don't think that there's anything shameful. I mean, when Amber Rose speaks out and says, you know, the fact that she wants to display her body is not something that should be taken as commentary on her intelligence or whatever. I'm like, yes, that's correct. But that doesn't mean 
it, on the flip side is also true that it makes you accrue more power in the world in a real no, way. No, totally. I don't know. Like, Jill makes this really good point. That Kim Kardashian, who we all know I love, 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 you know, that like being naked and like being sexy, like doesn't make her a bad role model, but it also doesn't make her a good role model. Right. It just is. It's a choice she's made. Exactly. It's a choice that she's made and it doesn't have to be like a good or bad or an either or. And yeah, you know, it also just, I don't know, it gets to the point of this thing that really, you know, empowerment really just irks me. The way that people try to sell you empowerment as feminism and don't realize that those two things are actually very different and distinct. They're distinct products, in fact. (laughs) And I feel that this article really gets to the bottom of that. Yeah, I think it's also frequently used as an end goal. Like I think of a lot of charities and nonprofits that have as part of their mission, something that's pretty vague about empowering women and girls. Yeah, they're like, we want to empower women. I'm like, do you want to empower women or do you want to free them? Because those things aren't the same. Well, and I I just, I think it's sort of, it's, it's often meant to be maybe from like a charity or a foundation perspective, liberating because it's really broad. You know, we work in all these different ways to further this goal. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, oh, do you want to get more women in elected office? Do you want to see like more women have access to health care? Like, how are you defining what empowerment means is the next step that you have to take if you see that word. It's true. But it's also the thing where the thing that's so fascinating about it is that empowerment always Almost always, even though these, you know, like, yes, like charities use it and philanthropies and whatever, but like usually it's this very self-serving thing, right? You want to feel good about yourself. It's a very selfish thing, which there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're trying to enact change for everyone, this is not a good frame. Yeah, I think that that's maybe the heart of it. Like it can be empowering personally to like do certain things with your body, but like for women as a class or as a group, typically not an option for, for yeah. a pers- one personal action you take to oh, like, empower women generally. Typically not an option. The name <laughs> I mean, of it's my, it's, that's the name of my empowerment nonprofit. <laughs> empowerment colon typically not an option. <laughs> typically not an option. I don't know. I guess I, the things that I do to like feel personally like empowered or in charge of my own life when I think about it have absolutely no broader political or social relevance. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like when I undertake those things, all women are like magically uplifted. No, Oh, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. I'm just like, mm, this is like preach, 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 preach. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Every generation has its challenges. Some would say that's the reason for its progress. It might start with a small act of kindness or a big idea that changes everything. It can come from the tiniest voice or the voice of a generation. Or it could come from me. I mean, not to. I am one of six change-making women featured in Eileen Fisher's Good Goes On campaign this spring. The campaign highlights women empowering women, the importance of sustainability, and the power of good design. Eileen started in 1984 with the idea that simple clothes can make life easier. And after spending a day on set wearing a super comfortable ultra chic jumpsuit, I think she's really on to something. As a company, Eileen Fisher believes doing well by doing good, and that's reflected in the way their clothes are made. 
Timeless styles and quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and a more positive impact on the world. It was a real honor to be featured in this campaign and meet the other women making a difference in their community. I've been a longtime Eileen Fisher fan, so this was a dream come true for me. You can visit EileenFisher.com and use the offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off of your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. Okay, what else is on our list? Oh, this week in menstruation. Fun news. Tell me. Clue, this app that like tracks your menstrual cycle, had this whole report about how women around the world refer to their periods. The fact that like women still have to use euphemisms to talk about periods was like a little depressing, but some of these were really good. What are some of your favorites? I have personal favorites from this list, but... Um, okay, the Swedish one is Lingamberry Week. Which... I know! It's so good! <laughs> Lols. The French one, which, like, when I was growing up, I would hear a lot, but, like, I was maybe, like, 17 when it finally made sense to me, is that uh, the English have landed. <laughs> and it was, like, when I was 17, I was like, oh, English flag, I know what that looks like now. So every time I see that euphemism, I always hark back to the days of my naivete and stupidity but yeah no some of these are good man german strawberry week i mean there's a theme here right but at the same time just like we're grown women can we really not say menstruation and period i take a lot of joy sometimes in period jokes like using the spaghetti emoji in in lieu of like i have my period like it's just like the messiest emoji right i mean i don't know spaghetti emoji yeah it's pretty gross right but also sometimes it's like it's just fun. It's like when you think about all of the euphemisms for like other body parts or like medical things that happen. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't really bother me that much. It's it's not like we're all a bunch of buttoned up ladies who are sitting around and going like, "Oh, his aunt Flo come to town." Is that why you aren't <laughs> is that why you are not buttoned up right going now. <laughs> down to the swimming hole today or like whatever they would say. I don't know. In the context of our friendship or like talking about this stuff, I usually feel okay about it like 100%. But I think that like seeing it just like represented on this global level and the fact that like even period tracker apps are still a novelty and that like talking about menstruation outside of like you know talking about it with your friends is still a taboo it was a little depressing (laughs) i don't know i was more i did not feel disempowered by lingonberry week i mean obviously nobody's feeling disempowered don't make me into like (laughs) sorry i'm joking i'm like a mean social justice warrior for periods i couldn't i couldn't resist bringing up empowerment again Uh, (laughs) you're just trolling me um another good one was the communists are in the fun house (laughs) and my personal favorite for my period the way that i refer to it in my own calendar is shark week (laughs) every like every time shark week makes me happy that's what i'll call it so good the exclamation point. I had never heard that before. Is where is that one from? I'm just I'm just like reading some random internet lists about it. Oh, Shark Week is on this list. Oh, never mind. Shark Week. Well Red played. sky at morning, sailors take warning. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, but like maybe the second best period euphemism news lately has been Slate put together a list of Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop endorsed products that sounded like they could be super positive, like, kind of hippie menstrual euphemisms, including Moonlight Catalyst, (laughs) (laughs) Antioxidant Dew, 
Pure Start. Oh, Pure Start is good. <laughs> Quintessential Serum. That's actually my band name. <laughs> um, my favorite one is An Autumn on the World. Oh my God. Yes. Everything turning red and gold. <laughs> and the Honey Mud. <laughs> Do you think sometimes that like Gwynny knows what she's doing? <laughs> um, first of all, Anne, it's so rude that you would call her Gwynny. I know I'm baiting you. <laughs> <laughs> so rude. <laughs> and this is all one elaborate troll and she's getting paid. Team Gwyneth forever. I love the outrage this week about how her like smoothie cost $200. Oh, and I mean, yeah. Everybody is like, why is she pushing a $200 smoothie? Also, science says that like everything in here is garbage. And I was like, yes, if you, if there was something called uh moon dust in your smoothie, you're definitely drinking like non-scientific garbage. Like we're all agreed on that. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing about that to indicate that you have spent your money. Well, <laughs> yeah. Also like people who get so outraged by like lifestyle newsletters or lifestyle blogs or whatever. I was like, there's a reason this stuff is aspirational. Gwyneth's not, like, holding a gun over your head saying, like, you must drink the moon dust of your choice. Right. We're we're all complicit in the system that makes a goop. I will take responsibility for my part of it. With every click. Yes. Exactly. I'm like, I read the whole thing, like, every word. You know what I think would actually be revolutionary if we found... I mean, and I don't know exactly where to look for this, but I'm sure it's out there. The websites or publications are lists that like tell men how to aspirationally spend money and mock them as mercilessly as Goop has been mocked. I just, mean, that's yeah. like the Bloomberg, uh, their holiday gift guide is like pretty ridiculous. Like a lot of the people reading Goop are like not even taking it seriously. I totally imagine like, and I don't like it when money. you mock my people. We do take it seriously. I click almost every time. Don't get, I'm talking about myself too. <laughs> I, mean, I almost tried to buy an $800 green leather jacket from Goop once. I was like, I can make it work. The answer is I could not make it work. Uh, Should have bought it. Should have bought it. I thought about it. And that's, I am under the influence is what I'm saying. I mean, serious news. Uh, Tell me something serious. (laughs) Okay, shocker. Is this about money? Because I'm going to freak out again. It's going to be about money. It's like, I think, okay, well, maybe just put your head between your knees and take a few deep breaths. What makes you think think I'm not there right now? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, is your head between your knees? Yes. Okay. So, new study, which confirms many older studies with similar findings, that say when a formerly male-dominated occupation becomes more gender equitable and when more women enter that field, the pay in that occupation declines greatly, even though the jobs are totally Uh, the same. (laughs) So I obviously already know this because I am a lady of STEM. Yep. I, like, want to throw the computer away. It was not mentioned. There's a there's a New York Times article about this that came out recently, but I read about it a few years ago, and the example from a few years ago cited the medical profession in Russia, which is female-dominated, as being one of the least prestigious occupations there. When That's we all know, insane. We all know, like, in America, for example, it's very prestigious to be a doctor, in part, you know, when you look at the gender ratio, because it looks pretty different. And I don't know because exactly. of Shonda Rhimes and Ellen Pompeo. 
who have elevated the medical profession for all of us. Right, but I'm just saying, like, if we ever made it to where Russia is, which is a majority, it being a majority <sighs> women profession, I don't really know what's happening with doctor's pay. Everything is garbage. So, you know, in computer science, women were actually, like, the computer. Like, programming was such a female occupation. And there's these amazing, um, I'll link to them on the website. There are these, like, amazing ads in, like, these um, 50s and 60s cosmos that were recruiting programmers, and the language is so just, like, female. It's very gendered. Women are who you wanted It's to like, be. hey, gal, come put a punch card into this ancient computer. No, exactly. It's like, <laughs> hey, gal, come build the future with us. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, my, 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 how the tables have turned. Yeah, I mean, now that it is the place to make money, and it's where men from wealthy families want to make their careers instead of even finance. It is it is no longer a women-dominated profession. Add to my anxiety column. The thing that frustrates me about this is that it points out that the problem just keeps unspooling. You know, you can say, okay, let's do all we can to get an equitable representation in STEM fields, for example. But then once you do that, then the underlying sexism is still messing with like how women and people of color get paid. There's no people of color angle on this story, but I would be shocked if the finding were any different. I mean, honestly. Well, you know, I think it's it's commonly agreed upon that if it sucks for white women, it's like God help the rest of us. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But yeah, you know, it's this is why all of this stuff is so interesting to me, all of this like Lean in, work harder, lean out. Like all of the advice that people give you about how to succeed at work. Nobody wants to admit that the underlying sexism is one is ruining it for everyone. Right. And maybe that's the root cause of the problem that we should attack instead of telling people how much makeup to wear and how much to smile and, you know, like what to wear when you ask for a raise or whatever. I was like, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe let's like tackle the real problem. Ugh. But like, I think that the big, the real problem is so big. It's just like, it, it's like a giant aquifer under the surface where it's like, maybe you tap it a little bit and you're like, okay, well, that's it. Like, you know, it's impossible. Sorry, this metaphor is ridiculous. But you know, it's, it's hard to <laughs> I, see. It, like, you like under- lost me at aquifer. <laughs> I know. In California, thinking about the drought a lot. What I'm trying to say is like, it's invisible. No, I hear it you. runs underneath everything. And you I, had- but it's like, how invisible is it if like two ladies are talking about it on like a very mainstream podcast? Like clearly we all know what's going on. Nobody wants to address the problem. It's cute that you think we're mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> we are mainstream. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a, a strike against the notion that advice about how individual women can get ahead is ever going to, over the long term, solve the problem. But maybe, so full circle back to our empowerment conversation, I have softened towards empowerment since we started talking about this, in the sense that, like, if this is what you're up against Maybe it is easier to just want to be like get ahead for yourself personally and not think about how to change the system because right now the system seems dang unchangeable. I mean, I know that's how I, I can't feel believe most I just days. said dang unchangeable. Dang unchangeable. What is wrong with me today? <laughs> it's so it's so disconcerting that it has you talking like a totally different person. I went, I want you to see me. I'm like legit sitting in like fetal position trying to talk into this microphone. I really wish Oh yeah, I is your head me. still between your knees? Oh yeah. Also, <laughs> so Anne, I want to confess something to you. I've been there is this item of clothing that I want to buy. And I know that it's ridiculous, but I think that it'll help with my anxiety. 
Tell me. It's this pink hoodie that's like legit a restraining jacket, but they don't talk. Like, like a Temple Grandin hugging yeah, jacket? Yeah, it's like a Temple Grandin hugging jacket. Google it. It's the Baker Miller pink hoodie. And it just like gives you a tight hug and you're calm again? Yeah, so it's like I was reading about it and I was like, oh, you know, like they're like, this is the performance hoodie. And I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is a straight jacket I need. Whenever I'm feeling anxious, I like to do the heavy blanket. And I was like, maybe this hoodie will help. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is my version of the people who wear that stupid ostrich head, like to like nap at the office. Oh my god, I know exactly what you're talking about. The like yeah. the one that looks like a deep sea diver, only like yeah, stuffed. yeah, yeah. I yep. found the version of that for me, and I think it's this. Have you found it? Yes, it's kind <laughs> of crazy. They're like engineered to chill you out, and I'm like, I need to rewrite this copy engineered to make you not freak out (laughs) i mean it's absolutely terrifying it looks like you are going to be walking through radioactive waste while wearing it i know i kind of really want it you know i don't believe in owning performance wear but like if i ever made an exception in my closet for something it would be this Oh my god! I, I put my shirt over my face all the time already. I know you do. It's what you do whenever you like can't handle what's about to happen. I know. Also, and these descriptions are so funny. The mesh visor floods your vision with a shade of pink designed to lower your heart rate. It allows you to see out, but no one to see in. <laughs> <laughs> it's 100% a straight jacket. And they're just like, hey, fashion. This is like a really high-end version of putting like pantyhose over your face to rob someone. <laughs> this is like, you're like, well, I'm actually into performance burglary and I need the Baker Miller pink You're hoodie. so right. In my heist movie, like this yeah. will be what everybody is wearing. Oh my God, completely. And you'll just be like so calm, cat burglin. <laughs> I know. It's like, you know what really did it for me though was the pockets. It's like putting your arms in the asymmetrical sling pocket helps you minimize movement, limit limit oxygen consumption, and focus on deep stomach breathing. Like, oh my God. that's what I need. See, now all you have to do is learn how to like do some mission impossible acrobatic things while your hands are in the asymmetrical pockets and you're good. This is oh. how your crime career, this is how you take back the professions from like evil men. <laughs> <sighs> I need clothing that will make me less anxious and I want to believe this hoodie is it. Maybe this is the solution to the pay gap problem. All women just start wearing these or all people who are in solidarity with women (laughs) and you can't tell who's a woman and then you can't cut their pay in the profession. It's like we all just wear these hoodies. (laughs) I'm going to tell you now, though, if I see a man on the street wearing this hoodie, I know I found my soulmate. Oh, I thought you were going to say I know to run. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was reading all this research about how how, like pink calms you. And uh, my least favorite color in anything, and apparently, like that's what I need. Oh man, I just ordered some pink trousers. I'm go. I'm I'm getting into pink for rosé season. <laughs> man, like frat boy pink? Or no, like... no, no. Like a like a mauvey kind of. Like... <laughs> I like how like I said frat boy pink, and we all knew where I was going. Oh yeah, like like uh like yacht club salmon. That yeah, pink. My yeah, daddy's no. a lawyer. That uniform. Oh, yes. completely. Yeah, like I hang out with a guy named Trip. That. <laughs> Um, first of all, that really hurts. You know, I have a trip in my life. I would have gone for something like Thatcher. Okay, great. Thatcher. A Megan Kelly child name. Yardley. Her daughter's name is Yardley. Uh, Yardley. That just, yeah, that just sounds like a very expensive Lily Pulitzer, like, pantaloon. And she has another son named Edward Yates. Edward Yates and Thatcher Bray. Oh my God. And Yardley these, Evans. Wow. These are amazing. Yeah, Megyn Kelly and Donald Trump at it again. Oh, my God. He just keeps being rewarded for not quitting on this. 
I mean, it's going to get rewarded all the way to the White House. It's, like, not cool. Oh, my God. Currently zipping up my chill-out hoodie. I can't even handle that. Uh, can you, I can't wait till I buy this pink restraining jacket hoodie, and then, like, this is how I'm going to record the podcast every That's how week. we'll survive the Trump White House, is in those restraining hoodies. That's how we'll survive everything. <laughs> uh, one day when I'm Oprah rich, I'll buy these for everyone I know. I can't wait. You get a chill out hoodie and you get a chill out hoodie. (laughs) I'm like, everybody just, yeah. Okay, now that I've ranted sufficiently about the chill out hoodie, I think it's time to like sign out. Um, I'm really, yeah, I feel like we haven't done like a classic CYG episode in a while. I know. It feels good. I also feel like we went way long because we're so excited to be back. I know, yeah. We're like back in the closet season two. Anyway, okay, let's talk about other things, like where to find us on the internet, which is callyourgirlfriend.com, where you should also go to callyourgirlfriend.com backslash survey. We're doing a listener survey right now. It's pretty fun. Do you think it's fun? It's great. We've gotten amazing feedback on the survey. Yeah, so go to our website slash survey and take the survey and tell us what you think about everything and tell us about yourself. We want to get to know you. And what else? You can also find it on Twitter. We've tweeted it. That's twitter.com slash callyrgf. Yeah, we're very active on the Twitters. You can find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash callyrgf. You can find us on Facebook. You can look that up yourself. And um, and this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac. Gina Delvac. Gina D. See you on the internet. See you on the internet, boo-boo. <laughs>